What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode 20 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast, Franklin County Speedway Memories with Kenny Lang. Before we get into the episode, thanks to everybody and anybody who's listened to any of our episodes. We sincerely appreciate it. It would do us a big favor if you listen on a podcast app, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in any of those, and there's a section to do a rate and review. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. It really, really, really helps us with getting the show out to new fans and stuff. So if you can do that for us real quick, we really appreciate it. Really, really, really appreciate it. I'm not just saying that. Franklin County Speedway is a speedway that is steeped in history. It was one of the biggest tracks in the state of Virginia in the 1980s, but I didn't really know much about it. I've seen pictures. I've heard stories but I didn't really know much about the history of Franklin County Speedway. I did get to work two events at the track in 2010, and the man that I worked those events for was Mr. Kenny Lang, who was on this episode. Kenny is a lifelong fan of the Speedway up in Callaway, Virginia, and while he's not the official historian or the curator by any means, Kenny takes us kind of behind the scenes and gives us a backstory on Franklin County Speedway's history, some of the big events at the track, just how popular the racetrack was in the 70s and in the 80s, and kind of a little bit of a state of where the track is in present day and over the last couple of years. So I hope that you guys enjoy this. This is in no way a full comprehensive history of Franklin County Speedway by any means, like, you know, going through champions or, you know, things like that. But It's just me and Kenny sitting down and basically me just asking him about the history of Franklin County Speedway and just, you know, what made it so daggum cool. A little side note on this episode, if you're listening, uh, we recorded it actually at the Franklin County Library in Rocky Mount. So because we recorded in a library, the audio is a little bit low. So if you're listening in your car, you might need to pump the volume up a little bit just to fully hear what we're saying. But just one of those things we're learning. But it's a really fun episode. Uh, if you don't know anything about Franklin County Speedway, you're going to get a little bit of an education here. So sit back and relax. Episode 20 of the Half Price Concessions podcast about Franklin County Speedway with Kenny Lang is coming up in just a few moments. This episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at Performance Center Racing Warehouse. Located in Statesville, North Carolina, Performance Center Racing Warehouse provides racers with just about everything you need to go asphalt late model racing, including being the home of the PRW chassis. From a full-blown fabrication shop to services that can help you get your race car reclipped if you've been in the wall one too many times or you just need to get your racing program straightened out. Give Roger Johnson and the folks at Performance Center Racing Warehouse the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 and visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Here on the Half Price Concessions podcast, and we are talking Franklin County Speedway, and my good buddy, my former employer, Mr. (laughs) Kenny Lang, uh, meeting us in Rocky Mount to knock this out today. Kenny, first and foremost, appreciate you coming down to meet me. It's a warm day out today when we're recording this, so it almost feels like racing weather, especially since it's raining. You could tell it probably would be racing season. Sure is. (laughs) With the rain. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I appreciate it. Well, I got a thank you off the top because without you I would have no exposure to Franklin County Speedway when you when you kind of came to me in 2010 and let me announce a couple races when when you were trying to put some events on at the track that was my first exposure as as a kid I had never heard of Franklin County Speedway had no idea it existed probably probably still wouldn't honestly have ever gone anything there if it if it wasn't for you so I have to Thank you for that, first and foremost. You, you're the reason I even have this idea. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I've been around Franklin County for as long as I can remember. Um, 
1971. I was two years old, and that's when my mom and dad started dragging me with them, and, uh, you know, everything kind of snowballed from there. I've, I've been a fan uh, ever since. So. so you started going when you was two. Do you remember – I probably you probably don't remember when you two, but like what what was like that early age you first remember some of the drivers and stuff that you were that you were seeing at Franklin County? I'd probably say around six or seven years old, uh, mid seventies. Um, I can remember as a kid, uh, you know, the Sam Ards, Jimmy Hensleys. These were not vivid memories, but uh, you know, just things that stand out. You know, over time, uh, they used to have the race car rides. Uh, with the kids, and I can remember riding in Johnny Bryant's Gremlin, Paul Rafford's Pinto. So uh, that that was probably, the, you know, my first memories of of being at that racetrack. I remember Jimmy Hensley. That name popped up to me on a 1993 NASCAR Year in Review, where he brought out the first caution of the Daytona 500. I did not realize he came from Franklin County Speedway. Well, yeah, that was. Uh, Actually, Jimmy started really young. I mean, he was probably in his early uh, early 20s, late teens, and he actually ran at Starkey Motor Speedway, which was in Roanoke County. This is, you know, it closed down before Franklin County even opened, I believe. So, But, yeah, he had a lot of success uh, at Franklin County in his uh, late model sportsman years. So... For people like me who maybe don't know a darn thing about Franklin County or just have a few years exposure, about how about how old is the place as far as racing goes? Uh, I think it, you know, there was it was dirt for the first year or so, I believe. I'm kind of foggy on those memories from reading about it. They paved it in 1969. I think it was about a half season, uh, full full time season in 1970 and. It's been in operation every year since, so uh, 50, 51st year this year, probably 52nd. So. Wow, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty good uh, Same asphalt. has never been paved. Uh, I think it has had a, uh, some patchwork done. but It had to have had some patchwork done. <laughs> yeah, but it has never, it has never been paved. And, and you talk to drivers who have raced there you know, recently, and they say it's still got quite a bit of grip to be a 50-year-old uh, surface. It's pretty amazing because mm -hmm. you go to a lot of these other tracks that are as old as far as the surface goes. I mean, they're just worn to smithereens and there ain't no grip. Yeah. Like I think of Bowman Gray, where it's like you better you better put something special on your tires. You ain't going to get no grip otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, I think the banking at Franklin County kind of helps that out too because it is 22 degrees in the corners. Uh, so, you know, you go in the corners and, and the car is going to, going to hold you so I think that you know that helps out but it is some, some old pavement it's hard to believe it's been there as long as it has. One of the things that I try to tell people about if they're going to Franklin County for the first time is I, I always try to tell them unless you got the the race car you're bringing the race car with you if it's just you and your passenger car like take the back roads because when you as you get closer to the track for an outsider like me it feels like you go back in time. Like it, it, it does not look like there's been a whole lot of change just in the area going up to the track, and then you get to the track, and it still looks like something out of 1970s. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's not, it's not a lot of modern amenities and stuff. But that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's well off the beaten path, and I think that's one thing that that might hurt the racetrack nowadays is is it's so far off the beaten path, uh, and like you said, it's not modernized. It's hard to get big haulers, you know, in the yeah. pits because, you know, it was modeled in 1970. So, you know, we're 50 years down the road. But, uh, yeah, it's beautiful country. Uh, actually, a little off-racing topic, there was a dairy farm that's not far from the racetrack that had been in business for as long as I was going over there, and it had just went out of business here lately. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's it. So... I see all these things. You are one of the people on this Franklin County Speedway Memories page that I think you or someone invited me to on Facebook, and I, I just get to looking at it, and I see these old pictures, and while some of the things around the track have changed, like there's less trees, like I remember some of those pictures where there's a tree in the infield, which to me seems crazy at a racetrack, <laughs> but um, while the surface has kind of stayed the same, some of the stuff around the outside has been tidied up, but the thing that I notice in all these old pictures is the insane fan turnout. I mean, the crowd turnout for a track that is, 
I mean, it, it really is kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it was able to just draw these humongous crowds. Like, do you, do you remember crowds that size when you were going as a kid? Oh, yeah. Um, 70s, not so much. But when I when I became a teenager in the 80s, uh, uh, I can remember Saturday nights where, you know, we would get there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon just because we wanted to beat the traffic. We always wanted our, you know, the seats we wanted. Uh, and, yeah, I can remember crowds, overflow crowds. Um, Probably the biggest crowd that I ever seen was the night that Rick Mast was going for a $25,000 bonus that promoter Wade Taylor put up if you won uh, three consecutive 100 lap late model sportsman races. And actually on the Franklin County Memories page, I think there's a, a picture from the Roanoke Times, an aerial shot showing the, the cars lined up. And you know, a lot of folks that may not have been at Franklin County, you gotta go up a, a pretty, long hill from the the main road to get into the racetrack and it was lined up down that hill and down the road running into the racetrack so wow yeah was rick kind of had, had he gotten a nascar yet or was this still him kind of he building was running he was running late model sportsman series uh and that's a funny story i think uh they were headed to hickory uh which he's from rock rockbridge bass virginia so they were headed to Hickory, and they I think they blew a power steering unit or belt or something on their tow truck. And instead of, you know, not racing that night, they, they decided to come to Franklin County. Okay. And that was a hundred that was the first hundred lap race of this deal that, that Whitey had to, to pay this money, and he came in and won it. Wow. And that kind of, you know, got the ball rolling for probably the probably the biggest summer crowd wise. Uh, Franklin County Speedway's history. Did you have like a specific spot you like to sit? It seems, it seems like everybody at these tracks, even me as a kid at going to Ace, like I went to Ace like you went to Franklin County, I always remember we always sat in that same spot mm -hmm. and even now as an adult if I just go stand there it's like I could I could just sit there and like daydream and remember and stuff. Did you have that spot? Uh, yeah and you know that's it, it kind of changed throughout the years. When I first started going when I was a baby, my brother I've got an eight year old brother that's He's as crazy about Franklin County as I am. Uh, we used to have a 65 Country Square station wagon that, you know, back then they ran on Friday nights. And, and Mike always tells the story that, you know, they would have the, the station wagon packed and ready to go to the racetrack when my dad got off of work. They wouldn't even let him take a shower oh, <laughs> as soon as he got there. And they would park on the backside, which back in that day, you could back your vehicle right up to the top of the grandstands. Really? And, yeah, and just sit there. It's kind of like trackside parking in a lot of places nowadays, but back then you could do that. And uh, it started off on the backside. In the 80s, we kind of gra graduated over to the front side, and I don't know the reason. You know, I still wasn't able to drive, but that's where Dad liked to park, and we that was another, you know, we were still under the, you could pack back your vehicle right up to the top of the stands, and Dad had a, you know, Chevrolet pickup truck, and he was sitting in the bed of the pickup truck and watching races. But yeah, that you know, that's the way I am now. At any racetrack I, I, I frequent, I usually sit in the same spot. Wow, that is, you know what? I'm glad y'all were responsible because I could see some person today, if they allowed that nowadays at Franklin County, someone being a few too many Pepsis in and backing up too far and backing their car down because yeah. you go down much further and you're on the racetrack. Yeah. I mean, and, and back in those days, back in on the front side days, they would, it would double park. You'd have cars backed up to the to the grandstand and then you'd have a car in front of you. Yeah. And it was, you know, if you had to get out of there, if you wanted to go home early, you never could go because, you know, everybody would stay and watch the races. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy how far things have come as far as that is concerned. How much was it to get in back then? You remember, like five, five bucks. bucks. Five bucks. Man, you never see that again. Uh, no, <laughs> no, not unless somebody feels generous. But uh, yeah, the the place. I mean, it it just holds so many memories. You know, we were talking about the Franklin County Speedway Memory Facebook page, and we've had so many great photographers from the day that that have donated their pictures and and let us use them and. I mean, we've got pictures from the very opening day up to 2010, which that's the lemon on the page is 2010. We don't want anything newer, but uh, just great stuff. So nowadays, especially when you go to like dirt tracks and stuff, 
there's like 10 different divisions, asphalt, there seems to be a, a variation on what they run and stuff. Nobody seems to have the same rules on four cylinders mm -hmm. and modifieds are different at tracks and stuff. But like when you were a kid going to Franklin County, if you're sitting there watching, what were like kind of the typical classes that you would see like on a on a weekly basis, other than the late model sportsmen's or whatever the premier division? Well, there was, was there was three divisions back when those first vivid memories when I was you know six, seven, or eight. It was a late model sportsmen's modifieds and hobby division, which hobby division back then was mostly like a six cylinder, you know, uh, six cylinder division. So, okay. But then you know in the 80s. You had late models. You had limited sportsmen, which were six cylinders in the '80s. Then you might have had a mini stock, a four cylinder, and you would have like what they called a family division, which was uh, more like an enduro car nowadays. Okay, like, something big and heavy. Yes, yeah. Torinos, yeah. Dodge Chargers, uh, you know, bigger cars like that. Okay. Did you ever get the itch to get out there? Never have had the itch to drive a race car. As much as a fan as I've been in these all these years, I've never wanted to set my rear end in one. Now I have dabbled in the eye racing stuff a little bit, which that's you know fun, but never have. I just have always been a big fan of the sport, but never have had the itch to drive. Okay, who was your favorite uh, like late model sportsman driver? As like like as a kid, or did you have one? Did you just like oh, watch yeah. the race? Paul Radford was far and beyond my childhood hero he uh he could just do things with a race car back when i was a kid that were just unbelievable i mean he could get in cars that you know weren't competitive with other drivers and just drive the wheels off of them yeah so i mean he was always my he was my favorite when i was a kid gotcha we were talking a little bit before i hit the record button about uh barry beggarly because i had him on a previous episode and i remember when i went in 2010 I know you, uh, Barry was kind of coming out of retirement, and I know you had, you were promoting some races there, and you guys were trying to get him back up there because I did not know he had won a championship up there. Do, do you remember watching oh, him race yeah. there? Yeah, he. I mean, that was my, that was the real formula years for me. Was was a teenager. That's when it really hooked me good. Uh, Nineteen eighty two, I was thirteen or fourteen, um, and Barry won the championship, black and silver. Pontiac Ventura with the red number 10, Southern Pride Car Wash, just a vivid memory. Yeah. I think he won 14 races that year. Oh, wow. And he was just dominant. I mean, he had good competition with uh, Gerald Compton and Bobby Radford and, and guys like that, but Barry was just almost untouchable that season. <coughs> that's crazy. See, I just I only think of Barry as ace in Orange County just because that's where I grew up and the little bit of time at South Boston, but that's yeah. – that's really cool to hear about. Yeah, he was he was awesome, man. I mean, he was he was he was a wheel man. Well, I mean, he was still a wheel man in the '60s at Ace. So yeah, yeah. It, he could be a wheel man in a yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. I agree. Uh, one of the things I see on the memories page that intrigues me is when you guys post like the programs and stuff. And I remember the ones where there would be like these invitational races, and some of the names like I think Daryl Waltrip and Tim mm -hmm. Richmond pop up. Uh, what do you kind of know about those things? Because I have no knowledge of any of that. So fill well, me in on some of that. You know, uh, as a promoter, Whitey would try to get the, the cup guys to come on like a Martinsville weekend sometimes, or he would have them come when they'd have the, the, the invitational races to Charlotte. So back in those days, if you won a late model sportsman race at a, at a local short track that was an invitational to the Charlotte Bush Grand National Race or late model sportsman race, whatever it was in the day, you would get bonus money if you made the field at Charlotte if you won that race at the short track that night. Okay. So sometimes it would coincide that he would bring the cup guys in, you know, on those nights. And, uh, you know, that was a, hey, I'll give you $5,000. You know, Daryl, you bring your late model sportsman car and come race against our guys. Oh. You know, so back in the day it was – Daryl and Bobby Allison one night. They had uh, Harry Gant and Daryl Walter one night. They had Tim Richmond come too. So they would compete against the local guys, and it was a good time, and big big crowds would come out for that also. It kind of sounds like a little bit of like uh, what the Denny Hamlin short track showdown was in some of those early years at Southside, and then 
at South Boston and stuff where you get the local guy you're giving the local guys some kind of chance to run their cars their style of cars against the guys that run for money yeah <laughs> and one, one of the best memories on one of those nights was uh, big field of cars probably you know well Franklin County it's they call it a three-eighths mile but it's more of a third yeah, I was if about to say, I think three-eighths is being a little liberal about if it. If it's measured by NASCAR standards today, it's probably a third, kind of more like a south side uh, speedway. But, um, you know, back in that day, uh, 20 cars was a, was a real good field. And Harry Gant was scheduled to race that night, which, you know, back in those mid I think this was 1985, he didn't own his own, you know, Bush cars or late model sportsman cars, so he – he comes in and drives a Jack Ingram prepared Skull Bandit oh, Grand Am. There's a name right there. <laughs> yeah, and you know if you look at some of the pictures on that uh, Franklin County Memories page, the doors have 33 on it, but the roof of it has a 11. 11 on it. <laughs> and Jack was actually and see, in my memories, you know of young, I don't never remember Jack racing a late model sportsman car in the 70s, but later come to find out, I seen some pictures where he did. And actually, he did shake that car down in 1985 for Harry before he got to the racetrack. And Harry just absolutely dominated him in a 200-lapper that night. Yeah. He started fourth and probably got the lead around lap 30, and nobody had anything for him. So Just walked the dog. Yeah. Man, that's something. So at, at this time, you know, I know there's Franklin County going – South Boston was was uh, New River Valley Speedway, what we call Motorbound now going? Well, in its heyday, well, the heyday most people talk about for Franklin County is the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a 70s guy, but I was there during the 80s too. Um, Motor Mile was built as Pulaski County Speedway. It opened in 1988. Um, it started putting a dent in Franklin County Speedway's cars, yeah, uh, taking their cars away, taking their competitors. And I think that was probably because of the NASCAR sanction, because back in the 80s, the NASCAR sanction was really a big thing, uh, especially late 80s, yeah. you know, or mid to late 80s. So 1988 was when Pulaski opened, and, and you know, it was, I thought they were gonna work together, Franklin County and Pulaski, they're, in a straight line, there's probably 35 miles apart, yeah. but it just never did work. Wow. Yeah. So South Boston's, they didn't really have much effect on Franklin County's car counts. No, but we did get cars from South Boston that, that would come race at Franklin County quite a bit back in the day, but, you know, and that's, as a race fan, that's one thing I kicked myself for in the 80s was I never made it to South Boston when it was three-eighths of a mile. Yeah. You know, I was... I thought Franklin County, I was a teenager, I thought Franklin County was the end-all, be-all racetrack. And back then, you know, there was good car counts, there was good racing, you know, why would I drive why past, leave? Yeah, why would I drive past Franklin County to go to South Boston? But now, looking back and seeing all the, you know, the late model sportsman series races that South Boston had in the 80s that, that I missed, it kind of kicked myself. But, you know, in the 80s, Franklin County Speedway had good racing in, in just about every division, so. Yeah. I know one of the names that comes up a ton, has already come up a ton, is Whitey Taylor, the guy who mm -hmm. still owns the track. I'm purely ignorant on this. Has, is he the only person that's ever owned the track? Was there other people before him that owned it? No, Will Nagy is the, is, was the first owner. He, he built the place and, and he ran the racetrack, I think, through 1976. And then you'll know this name. Michael McGuire's grandfather, uh -huh. Bill Squeak McGuire, leased it and ran it uh, in 77 and 78. Okay. And he had, oh man, he had good racing. I mean, he paid show money. Back in the day, you paid show money to these late model sportsman guys. Dave Marcus, Morgan Shepard. Oh, wow. All those guys would come race. Uh, he would have, you know, top-notch talent. Uh, and in 1979, I think it's the year that Whitey started running, uh, that he leased it uh, from Wilton, and I think he bought it maybe in 81, uh, and he's he's owned it ever since. Oh, okay. So there's only been three sets of owners. Yes. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, two odors. Maybe one lease, uh, lease mixed yeah, in there. Yeah, and, and then, you know, as we got further along in 2007 and 2008, Richard Gluth leased it and yeah. had it for two years under an ASA sanction. Yeah, because that's when I saw those pictures of Rodney Cook and Jimmy Mullins oh, racing. Yeah, and see, that that's I really appreciate Richard Gluth because he gave me a chance to get on the uh, public relations side of racing. Yeah. So I did all the public relations and and stuff like that for the racetrack in 2007 and 2008. Uh, he took me to Daytona to the you know the the workshop that they have every February for the yeah with Dennis track Huth and all those guys Dennis, from ASA yeah and all them guys. But <clears throat> that was fun times. I mean, uh, Richard had he had a good thing going. I wished that he could have you know kept going with what he had going, but. He was also a, a contractor, a housing contractor, and 2008 is kind of when the bottom fell out for all that stuff. So I think it, you know, hurt his chances to keep going at Franklin County. But that was fun times. I mean, uh, the, the PR side gave me a whole different perspective on short track racing, and that's kind of what led to me and Joey Mills taking a shot at promotion. Uh, we promoted three races. Um, the first race we promoted was in 2009, and it was uh, it was actually a co-promotion with Randy Myers. Okay. Randy did the modified race that day, and we did the late model stock car race. So we were <clears throat> we were responsible for the purse and everything for the late model race. We had ten cars show up that day, but we paid them handsomely, and and that kind of that kind of gave us the idea to do what we did in 2010 when you came and helped us for our two races. Yeah, now those were, I mean, that was some of the best racing I'd ever seen. I mean, it was so, cause I was, I was, I think a little bit like you, as a kid, I was so Ace Speedway centered that I did not feel the need to venture outside much. I, I'd go to like 311 to a dirt race or Orange County once in a while, but I was just like, you know, Ace was the place. Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up. So in 2010, when I come to Franklin County, and it was funny, I'll tell you a funny story. So that was my first year announcing. My dad and my grandparents and my sister and like maybe my stepmom went, um, they all come up to, to hear me announce. And I gave them the address and <laughs> they were getting about halfway up. I think they got lost. My dad got a speeding ticket. Oh, man. Um, but they get there, and I think we had a little dip in the action where I could go say hey to them. And my grandma was like, man, we went back in time. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. And then my dad was like, yeah, but like, he was having fun watching practice because yeah. they're, they're just going so fast. Um, so let me ask you this. You got kind of going involved in that in 2009, a little bit before that when the other guy was, was leasing the track and putting stuff on. Before that, kind of leading into that, had the, had the participation in racing dropped off to a point where it was going to take someone other than Whitey to kind of get people back in the tent? What, what kind of was leading into that? Yeah, it was a sad time for, for the, the Speedway, I think, in the, from 2000 to you know, when, when Richard took the racetrack in 2007. I mean, when Richard leased the place, I mean, he, he did improvements to the, to the towers and all. I mean, they were in pretty rough shape, uh, but, uh, and widened the pit gate because, like you said, back in time, the pit gate at Franklin County up until 2007 was probably wide enough to barely get a pickup truck and a trailer through, and then you know, in the mid 2000s, you got guys with uh, enclosed trailers and bigger vehicles pulling them, and so he did make that change and, and you know widen that pit entrance. But yeah, they were they were on hard times before Richard, you know, kind of got in there and did what he did. The participation had just gone away, and yeah. some other things probably. Yeah. Rodney, Rodney Cook told me a few stories. Yeah, it was just <laughs> you know it, it it was not good, uh, you know, and. I don't know why he might have been burnt out. I mean, you know, as long as he had promoted it, it takes a lot of energy. I mean, just to do those two races that that Joey and I tackled with left turn promotions. I mean, we were, you know, we were at it all day, every day, trying to line up sponsorship and people to come work the racetrack and officials and, you know, 
I always said before, oh, man, I'd love, you know, I could do that. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you know from, you know, helping Brad at Ace and it's a lot of stuff that goes on to try to put on one of those shows. Stuff that you never saw as a fan. Yes. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So in 2010, um, I remember going there working. I think I think you guys maybe did four or five divisions of racing. Mm-hmm. I remember Rodney Cook and Jimmy Mullins and Michael McGuire. And I don't know if it was the first race or the second race where those three were just bearing down on each other, nose to tail, for like the last ten laps. And it's some of the best racing I've ever seen in my life. It was it was one of the few times in life in my racing where I remember going down to interview them all. And I'm, the guys that didn't win, the guys that weren't named Rodney Cook, mm-hmm. were they had they were a little disappointed, but you could just tell they just had a dang oh, ball. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that was just, that was that was special. I think the second race was a night race. I feel like the first one was ran during the day. Yeah, it was. The first one we ran on a Sunday afternoon. I know we actually ran it on Memorial Day, I believe it was, and it was an afternoon race. And then the second one was in August, and that was the one that that had. I mean, that was a. I mean, you had Mike Looney. Yeah. He he sat on the pole that night and, and led. not that he ever went on to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he led quite a bit of the race and overheated and and you know you had Rodney, you had Jimmy, you had Buster, the late Buster Carroll. Yeah, that forty-five. Yeah, car. you had uh, Michael McGuire, young upcoming kid at that time. Uh, so much family history at that place. Yeah. You know, his dad Tim won the championship in nineteen eighty-five, I believe. In late model sportsman, his his uncle Tony, multiple you know Martinsville winner, uh, could get around Franklin County Speedway. You know we had good field in that. We had uh, great fields in our mini stocks. Doodle Lang uh, would come support us, and he's no you know uh, no relation to myself, but. Doodle, Are you sure? Are you just denying that? I, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Doodle's one of the. The best I've ever seen get away on Franklin County Speedway in a, in a Mod Four mini stock car. Yeah, I mean he, he, you know, the last little bit he's got, I don't know, three or four championships at Motor Mile, but he's better at Franklin County than he is at Motor Mile. Yeah, he was. I think, I don't think he made it a bore fest, but I remember he just got out front and he was yeah. just gone in the in the two races I saw there. And my dad had to remind me about Mike Looney being at those races. Because now I remember back, and Mike, I, he had motor trouble like both times. Like I remember being fast in practice and qualifying, and something would always go wrong. And I was talking to my dad about, you know, Rodney and Jimmy and, and McGuire, and he was like, "Well, you forgot, Dagum Looney was there." And I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, like can you like, boy, if you yeah. could have got them, like if, if Looney hadn't had engine trouble, oh yeah, boy, and you it know, been even better." <laughs> and you know, Mike, I mean, he. He's a, a Franklin County bred race car driver. He started in the mid-90s in the pure stock division at Franklin County. And, you know, I'd say nine out of the ten drivers that I talk to will tell you that Franklin County Speedway is probably one of their favorite tracks to drive. It's just something that they say if you can race well at Franklin County, you can race well anywhere. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. I always remember another thing that was unique and scared me at the same time. When I came in in 2010, um, you had Danny Willard come in as the flagman, who's now, he's the one of the race directors for Cars Tour, was with UAR for a long time. Now his son is yeah. the best in the business in flagging. And I remember being in the tower, Mackie McBroom was upstairs race director. Late I'm, Mackie McBroom. Yep, rest yep. his soul. Yes, I'm, I'm on my level of the tower and I look out and I see Danny and I'm like, Oh my God, Danny is completely exposed in this flag stand. It it is unique, and I liked how close he was, but I was also scared about how close yeah. he was. That flag stand is you don't see that kind of flag stand at other tracks today. Like it, like we talked earlier, nineteen seventy. That's when it was, <laughs> was built, and it hadn't been changed. I mean, uh, and you know, actually, Brandon, uh, Danny, two of the finest people I've ever met. Uh, Danny would do anything for us at Franklin County, and he. Still helping uh, Langley Austin out at his shows that he promotes over there today. And Brandon flagged the November race over there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a little cage set in concrete, uh, in a concrete slab, and they come whizzing by you. I mean, you could actually probably touch the roofs of the cars with the flag when you, you know, 
and do your flagging stuff. So. Yeah, and I'd say it wouldn't. It, I think there was one great shot somebody got. I don't know if it's on the page or not, but I remember seeing it somewhere where I think Danny was in the flag stand and he's having to like kind of push himself <laughs> back because there's a wreck happening like right oh, yeah. at him. So just one of those things, another unique piece of Franklin County. Oh yeah, and you know, you know, I always talk that trash, you know. Me and my dad and my brother, we still go racing all the time. We'll go to South Austin and, and Southern National and, and places like that to watch. And every time we get in the, in the car going down the road to a racetrack, we talk about what we do to Franklin County Speedway if we ever hit the lottery and bought the place. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's flag stand would be one of the first fixes, <laughs> Yeah. I think. Get him a little bit away that's from the right. cars. Um, so... You do two, you do the one race in 09, which I think, was that the one Daryl Wallace Jr. Yes. One? The 13-year-old Daryl Wallace yes, Jr. Uh, yeah. And Rodney Cook was driving, I think, Travis Sharp's 34 car. Yes, sir. He was That's not good. his usual 14. Yeah. 2010, I remember Rodney wins both races. And um, after that, was was there a time when you were trying to see if you could do a season-long lease? Do I remember that correctly? Well, what we... What we wanted to do is after our August race in 2010, we wanted to end up the season with a limited sportsman, you know, kind of big race for those guys instead of going the late mall stock route because, you know, we wanted to do that. And, you know, we got a different class as our, you know, main feature. We wanted a little break on the lease from White and we just never could work it out. Yeah. And then, you know, we had talked about maybe trying to do something for the 2011 season, but it just, it didn't work out with Whitey. Was it just, was it, was the gap, you don't have to tell me the specific numbers, but was, was the gap pretty substantial or was it like small enough where it was really frustrating? It was small enough where it was really frustrating, but you know, yeah. and we, you know, I think we treated Whitey very good on what we did for our two races in 2010. He made money. We didn't lose money and you know, we paid the, paid the drivers what we told them we was going to pay, and sometimes it was a little extra, I think, in, in some folks. But it's just one of those things. We couldn't come to an agreement, and, yeah. I, and I kind of hate it. But Was that pretty frustrating, or did you kind of just accept it? Well, I kind of accepted it, you know, because I was still working. You know, now that I'm retired, if anybody that listens to this podcast wants to <laughs> lease the place, I, you know, I'm free to be a general manager if you, <laughs> if you need it. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, and like I told you earlier, and you know, when we were talking, it's a full time gig. If you're going to promote a racetrack, you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. And folks just don't see that. They think you can, you know, say I'm going to have the race and and put out how many laps you're going to run for the division and the person and go. Well, it's it's a lot harder than that. It's a lot more to it. I mean, I remember you in 2010. I remember Rodney's car at Ace having left-turn promotions on the hood, and you were coming to Ace on Fridays. I'm sure you were going to other tracks, mm-hmm. too, not in an effort to steal drivers, but just to try to get out there and have a rapport so that when you put this event out, you had a little bit of, of credibility with them. Like, hey, this mm-hmm. guy's a straight-up guy. He's not a con man. He's he's just trying to put on a, a race at a racetrack that he likes. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's what we did. We tried to – because, you know, we – me and Joey both, you know, and Joey Mills worked just as hard as I did on anything that we did in those races. I mean, he he hustled just like I did. And he was a fan of the place when he was a kid. We just wanted to see good racing back at our home track. Yeah. We seen what what it could be with Richard Gluth and what he had going on for those two seasons, and we didn't want to see it all go down the drain again. And... Uh, you know, it, it was just it was a it was a labor of love because you know I'm still tickled to death at, at you know the participation we got in the in the folks. I mean, Rodney Cook was the first one that said, "Yeah, you put it on, and I'll be there." Yeah, that was before you know we did any sponsorship on his car, which our race has helped us do that for him. So, yeah. and that's one of my best memories in racing as a you know as a fan was being on the hood of Rodney's car when he won the big fall race at, 
at Ace. At Ace that, you know, and that was a crazy Too bad the hood was off the car because yeah, he got in a wreck. <laughs> that was a crazy race. But, yeah, that, I mean, that was, that, that was a good memory. So I think you'd be hard-pressed to not find somebody with a good memory or five with Rodney Cook. That's exactly right. About everybody does. So 2010 happens. You guys are unable to work out a deal with Whitey. Then there's that period of time. I don't remember what year it was when they brought in the cameras and the reality show that ended up on YouTube and it gets lamented by plenty of people with common sense. Sometimes it pops up on Twitter, but that seems like it was a pretty dark time for the Speedway. Yeah, I mean, I think that that it was a kind of a lightning in the bottle thing for Whitey. He wanted to to capitalize on what they had going on in the – I won't even mention the phrase. <laughs> yeah, don't you don't have to do that. <laughs> I got a couple guys that that post it sometimes on Facebook, and I tell them it's a hundred dollar fine for mentioning that. <laughs> it's kind of a running joke between me and Wesley Thomason and, and some other guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of that was ignited by the Bowman Gray TV series. Yeah, it just been on History Channel. He kind of seen that, and he kind of tried to capitalize, but it just. It, it wasn't good. Did more harm than good. Yes. So, you get they come through that. Then there's the period where Langley Austin comes in from race 22, and he starts putting on races there. What was that kind of like for you as a fan when when he came in? Were you, were you able to go to a lot of those shows and watch? or Didn't miss one, I don't believe. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, Langley's another guy that has a – an insatiable love for Franklin County Speedway. All he wants to do is see fans in the stands and, and good racing. Of course, he's a businessman too. I mean, he, he's in it for the business part, but you know, deep down, deep down, he wants to see the racetrack succeed. Yeah. So he he had a good thing rolling a couple times, and, and it kind of fizzled out, and you know, one thing led to another, and I think now he's I don't know what he's got planned for most of this year, but I do know he's got another race scheduled for uh, March 14th and 15th of, yeah, of this that. year. And, I, and, you know, I'll be there to support him. It's 20, 20 minutes from my house, you know. Yeah. And I, I just like to see good racing at the old place. How heartbreaking was it as a fan? Because I remember there's, there's that night, there's like five articles written on it when Langley and his team were doing the Moonshine Capital promotions and they were doing a season-long thing and – it, it looked like the place was picking up some steam, and then there's that night where Whitey comes in and talks, you know, talking about digging up the infield to do a mud bog or something like that, and Langley's going around from what the article said, shaking people's hands, and it was kind of going to be – they were kind of getting broken off halfway through what they were trying to do. How heartbreaking was that for you as a fan to see the good that was coming and then all went down the drain? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, uh, like you said – you know, like we we're saying, Langley and Kim, they put their heart and soul into, you know, building that thing up. And it was, you know, you got to lay your foundation and then build on top of it. And that's what they were doing. They, they were coming along pretty good. And and then just, you know, I, I don't know the particulars of their deal, uh, of how things went down, but it, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, people love that place. I mean, and, you know, when it's going good, you can get good crowds in there and, it's it you know it's like Ace and it's like South Boston, in as and Franklin County you sit right on top of the competition. Yeah, you are not far away yeah, at all. Yeah, and that's a good thing about you know racetracks like that, and that's probably one of the drawbacks I have for Motor Mile. I love Motor Miles, uh, NASCAR sanctioning their professionalism, but when they built the place, the grandstands are just. They're too far away from the racetrack. I mean, and, you know, that's no fault. I mean, they were doing what they thought was great. It's a, it's an immaculate facility. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It gets full when the monster trucks are there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, but as far as racing, you, it does seem like you're really far away. Yeah. And, and you know, I was, not to get off t subject, we kind of went to their, you know, which I, I still help Brian Reedy quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I spot for him on race days and do his public relations and try to gain sponsors. And we kind of went to their off-season meeting and we, you know, we suggested, hey, do some kind of trackside parking for these folks. Get them yeah. closer to the action. So 
but that's a little off topic. No, off topic, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know much about. I mean, Virginia racing. I'm from North Carolina, so when I yeah. did venture across the border, it wasn't very often. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying learning this stuff because yeah. I remember. I never got to go as a kid. Every time we tried to go to Motor Mile, it rained. Yeah. Like, I didn't go to an actual race there until last year with the Cars Tour, and I was working with uh, Tony Stevens and, and Cars Tour TV. So when I finally saw it, I was like, my God, what a facility. Why is this not the yeah. Martinsville? <laughs> and it, it, it's a place that I think could easily host a uh, Gander Truck Series or Xfinity Series race easily. Oh, easily, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, yeah. We support them. I mean, Brian loves racing up there. The Reedy family, I mean, tank track champion there in, in 99, track champion at Franklin County in 87. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there will always be a link between Franklin County and Motor Mile because they're so close and, and, and a lot of guys have raced both – speedways in the last 20 years i think whitey called it the short mile yeah. to kind of poke fun at motor mile <laughs> yeah he, you know he he had his ways yeah he had his ways and and he uh you know there's always been that rivalry which you know i think it's like that in a lot of short track racing which if these tracks would just get together and work together i mean it's it sounds easy i know it's tough but it can be done if if the promoters would just do it so yeah so to put a bow on everything, let's say that we leave out of this library and go down to the gas station and get a couple Powerball tickets. Say it's like 200 something million, M number's not important. And you hit, and you done set the money back for yourself, for your family, your kid, your, your extended family that's gonna pop out of the woodworks, all that's taken care of and you just have crazy amount of money to, to go buy Franklin County Speedway. What's what's some of the things you want to do? I don't know if I've got enough time to let you know. <laughs> we might need another podcast. I've always thought that Franklin County is centered, or it's not centered, but it's so close to being right in the middle of Motor Mile in South Boston, and you can throw Ace in there also, that if you could work with those tracks – to run the same divisions and, and same rules that and pay a bonus program that if you ran both tracks or you finished in the top five in points at both tracks, you would get so much money at the end of the season. Or, you know, if you finished kind of like the bonus I did with the Rodney Cook thing, yeah. you know, where, you know, we were going to pay him $500 bonus if he came to our race and won. And then if he went to ace the next race and won which he did, but I think he got disqualified for some spending yeah, stuff. Was, but, yeah. but you know, I mean, that that's the kind of bonuses I think would help. Um, I've always been a stickler for NASCAR sanctioning, which that probably is fading more each season. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, back in the 80s, I would really be intrigued to see if Franklin County would have been a NASCAR sanctioned track when the late model stock car division really got started. Yeah. And you could have, you know, Motor Mile, Franklin County, South Boston. Kind of like I would I would work it today if I had Franklin County. Yeah. I would do my best to do some kind of bonus program with those tracks. And it don't, you know, the late model stock car division's easy. It's the lower tier divisions that under the the issue yeah because the rules are different just about everywhere you go so yeah i mean here's, here's the only thing i would ask you to do bring the modifieds in. oh yeah because when i watch when i watch the southern modifieds on youtube from franklin county i'm like god um, i wish i'd have gone to one of those races yeah i mean those things sound amazing in franklin the, county. the gluth years the asa modifieds came and you had gary i mean uh bert and Jason Myers, Ted Christopher was as starts there, Ron Silk, I mean, big names in modified racing, you know, in 2007 and 2008. Yeah. I mean, James Savali set the track record at a 12.86. Ooh, man. And, Boy, that's flying. <laughs> and the person that he, the person's record he broke, the late Richie Evans, that record had, had stood for like 30 years. Wow. So, 
I mean, yeah, oh yeah, modify. And you know, just going present day uh, with Ace doing announcing that they're going to run like the the Bowman Gray style modifieds. Yeah, I think it would be perfect for Franklin County. Bring them up here, say Bowman Gray rules to the T. Bowman Gray tires. Those guys will come to Franklin County. I know David Hill. Uh, would bring his 79 car every time he had a modified race because he loves uh, – Jason Lyer says it's his favorite racetrack to race a modified at. So, yeah, it's so damn fast. Yeah, I mean, it's just – people, you know, people don't know. I mean, uh, Franklin County Speedway has probably got a bad reputation among most racers that have never been there to race. But like I said earlier, if you – Talk to folks that have driven that racetrack. They'll tell you that how much fun it is. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I had hit the lottery, I would change the front stretch to the back stretch. Okay, so you'd flip it. Okay. Because, and you know this, I mean, the sun is unbearable yeah. in that tower, you know, on a race day. It is pretty bad. Uh, you know, dig up all the concrete bleachers, bring in some aluminum bleachers from, like, all the way around, kind of like I like the way South Boston has their bleachers. You know, uh, you got the front stretch and maybe bring them around the side, and then all back stretch do the do the trackside parking. Yeah, um, that would, I would pay for that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, stuff like that. Raise the flag stand up off the wall. Raise the flag stand. <laughs> you know, go into infield, and you know, at Franklin County, when you come off a track, you actually come uphill into the infield. Go in there and just level it, put new drainage in. I mean, if I had money, I could go on for days for the improvements. Yeah. I don't know if I would – I would not change the configuration, but the place does need paving. Yeah. I mean, I'd hate to do it just because, you know, the, those old racetracks have character and, and lots of grooves you can run. But you can only patch the potholes so much. Exactly. So. Well, brother, I appreciate it. We'll have to do another one of – all the things to do with the unlimited <laughs> amount of money. But uh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, make sure if you're on Facebook, go to the Franklin County Memories Facebook page. You're a fan of nostalgia. There's a ton of pictures and articles and stuff that get posted there by yourself and other people. And it's it's just cool to see, even if you're not enamored with Franklin County, just to see that older style racing from a time when people like me was born in 88 ain't got a clue how good it was back mm. in the 80s. But uh, I appreciate you coming down, brother. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Half Price Concessions podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode or any of the episodes we've put out. Do us a favor and hit the subscribe button if you listen to this podcast on a podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Himalaya, Castro, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. So whichever app you listen to us on, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a rate and review. It helps us out a ton. It really, really does. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HPC Podcast. And also find us on Facebook by searching for The Half Price Concessions Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, www.anchor.fm slash HPC podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you have a great day.